going to sing all four verses. One, two, three, four. Okay. Holy Ghost, Father, we thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you this day for the Holy Spirit given to us in these days. Do lead us by the Holy Spirit as we study your word this morning. Breathe upon us, we pray. We sang, Holy Ghost, Light Divine. Do shine your light upon us today. We come together with joy in the Holy Spirit. To speak of the great things of our Lord Jesus. We commit this hour unto thee. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I'd like you again to turn in the book of Acts to chapter 1. We're just going to read some various verses. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Gathering them together. Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, this is the fulfillment of 
what Jesus told them to wait for. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with, with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Then let's go to verse 41 in the same chapter 2. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having grace with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Uh, we are speaking just a few times about this matter of what I'm calling the crises of the church. The inspiration for this comes from G. Campbell Morgan's famous book, The Crises of the Christ. In the life of Jesus, there were crisis moments. These include his birth, his baptism, his temptation, his transfiguration, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. The church also goes through a similar crisis. As the church grows and develops, there are, there are spiritual crises. 
Uh, last time we looked briefly at the birth of the church. And in this time we will be looking at the growth of the church. And Lord willing, next time perhaps on the uh, maturity or perfecting of the church. When we read the book of Acts and see the church in its early stage, we praise God for such a dynamic testimony of Jesus. And as we mentioned last time, even at the birth of the church, there was a crisis. There's a famous statement our brother Lance Lambert used to mention origin determines destiny the original beginning of something has much to do with where it ends up and last time we looked at the birth of the church we saw this day of Pentecost before our eyes the apostles stood up and preached the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection and some 3,000 souls were saved on that day they were born of the Spirit and they had the life of Jesus Christ in them. This is the most wonderful thing. How did the apostles build the church? We spoke last time. They did not really have any blueprint or pattern. They weren't trying to build sort of a, a temple or a synagogue. Jesus left them no definite instructions as to how the church should be built. But Jesus did speak to them about the building of the church. He told the apostles that they were to preach the gospel. And he would build the church. You preach the gospel, and Jesus will build his church. He says, I will build my church. So, in one sense, the apostles didn't have to worry about it. And we saw on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached the gospel, and suddenly the church grew. Came alive. Three thousand people. And they were baptized. And they began to live an amazing life. Soon it became clear that there was a very real crisis before them. How was the church to assemble? How was it to gather? And we see, as we read this scripture, that they met every day at the temple. Probably some time in the afternoon, they met at Solomon's porch at the great temple. And one of the apostles would stand up and tell 
the parables of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, and the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. It says a sense of awe was upon them all. Amazing things happened. People were healed. There were miracles. And most of all, people were born again of the Spirit of God. We imagine day by day that crowd was probably pretty big, except when it rained, and maybe not so many. But the Christians couldn't wait to get down to the temple to hear more stories about Jesus. And you see, it didn't matter which apostle was speaking. Because they weren't preaching doctrines. They weren't talking about justification by faith. And all of these kind of Calvinistic doctrines. They were preaching Jesus. And he, of what Jesus did. Of Jesus' death. And people got saved. But very soon it became apparent. What, how, what was building the church? It was the life of Jesus within them. And the essence of the church is it needs to look like Jesus. It needs, it needs to convey the love of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus. The holiness of Jesus. And whenever the saints join together, whether it's worship, whether it's prayer, they came to meet with Jesus. This was the first crisis. Because we know that the church sometimes loses that life. We have a tendency in all of us. We prefer the outward to the inward. So perhaps the life of Jesus is too much, is too sort of spiritual to live by. And so some Christians met in synagogues. Now, as they made the church like a synagogue, now the life was hindered to some degree. Because you see, there's certain traditions within the synagogue. The way things are done. But the life of Jesus is a little different. You have to follow the Holy Spirit. And so we said at the very birth, the origin based on the life of Jesus, it determines the destiny of the church when it becomes the bride. When we see the bride, when she's ready, she's going to look like Jesus. 
这个区，我们在这里很喜爱看到这些婴孩。They have that he was a wise master builder to build the church. Now, now it's wonderful to have babies. But you know, parents have to become wise master builders. Now some parents are terrible. Here's his life in this child. But they let the child do whatever they want. No discipline. Child goes wild. Undisciplined. Unruly. No, no, no. They're supposed to be raised in the fear and the nurture of the Lord. It's a shame when we see so much life and it's going the wrong way. Some parents think they're wise by putting their thumb down on their child. They have high expectations. You're my son, you're going to become a doctor. And they're never satisfied. They always have to make them do more studies. They and these kids become very frustrated. Daddy's never happy. They haven't done enough. They don't have a job that makes enough money. This is terrible. This is not a wise way to raise a child. Now, on the one hand, if you spoil them, that's wrong. But another way, if you have a heavy hand, that's also wrong. And unfortunately, it's even a third parent. They're not wise either. They just let the world teach the child. Let them work on the internet until their eyes go blurry. 
他们上网，然后让一直到他们眼睛花了。They watch anything they want on television。他们电视随便看他们。They hang out with any kids they want。他们随便跟任何小孩一起玩。In all three, in all of these cases, you have children who have life。你看到这边孩子们，他们都有生命的。But unless that life has parameters，但是如果这个生命没有那个界限的话，unless it has boundaries，如果没有界限的话，unless there's discipline。then much of that life is dispersed and ruined. So even as with our children, so in the church there needs to be wise master builders. We see in this, uh, these passages we read at the beginning of the book of Acts. What do we see there? The baby church. But look at that life. Already the life of Jesus beginning to show. Marvelous to see. Just for starters. These were all baby Christians. But they just loved getting together. To learn more about Jesus. To see Jesus in one another. To hear Jesus' words. To see Jesus' miracles. And so it says, they continued steadfastly in these, in these four things. In Acts, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They were baby Christians, but they met as much as they could. You know, it was tougher for them to meet than it is for us to meet. Because many of them were slaves. And many of them were women. And you know, women back then, they didn't have a, a washer and dryer. And a, they, in other words, they cooked and did everything all day long for the children and the, and the father. And the father. But when all the chores were done, maybe they had prayer meeting at midnight. They love to pray. And if they heard Peter is going to be speaking at the temple, they tried to take a little time off at lunch to go here. And they love to break bread. Every time they broke bread, they heard the story again about how Jesus broke the bread. And over and above all that, they just love to have fellowship. We couldn't wait. Five nights a week. Now, some of you people here are very incredible. Because I think you go to about five Bible studies every week here. There's so many Bible studies, we have to put it back on the board. There's Monday night, then Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, there's two... It's crazy. Oh, that's wonderful. We're so glad you want to get together. That's what the baby church wants to do. We can see the love of God in the people. What did they do? Well, <laughs> on the day of Pentecost, there was a half a million visitors from various cities around the world. 
Now, 3,000 of them got saved. Now, where are they going to stay? No problem, your house. So everybody stayed at everybody's house. Who cooks the best kanji? Every day, kanji. Who cares? They met every day in their houses. They had wonderful fellowship together. They ran down to the temple if they could make it. And they loved one another. Now is that so difficult? Even baby Christians could do that. And they proclaimed the gospel every day. I like what one preacher used to say. He says they go to the temple and the apostles preach the gospel. But if you go to a Christian's house, they gossip the gospel. They just talked about the wonderful things that Jesus has done and saved in their life. And you know what it says? It says the Lord added daily such as were being saved. The Lord added daily. Praise God. So it's wonderful that you preach the gospel, people get saved, and this life begins to develop. But this brings us to the crisis. A crossroads in the church life. And here is the crossroads. Will the church continue to be built by the Holy Spirit of God? You see, it's a spiritual crisis. Because the church can keep growing and growing. But the Holy Spirit must be in charge. Now we know Jesus is the head of his church. But the Holy Spirit is who's here among us. To lead and to guide this church. You see, when we ask who the leaders were at the church, now we might be we might immediately say, well, the apostles were. No doubt they laid the foundation. And the most important qualification for an apostle was that he was an eyewitness who saw Jesus live and die and raise again. So they talked about Jesus and preached the gospel, people were saved, and so the church is growing. But it's not really the apostles. It's the Holy Spirit who's leading through the apostles. In the Church of Jerusalem, it doesn't really say when when they developed elders in the church. But the Bible does mention later on that there were three elders mentioned by name in that church. Well, Peter and John, and Jesus' brother James. Now, were the elders in charge of the church? 
No, the Holy Spirit is in charge of the church. But the elders can hear the shepherd's voice. If you know the book of Acts, you know in Acts chapter 6 is the first time we see seven deacons. Now there's the Greek word diakonos, we get the word deacon from it. And these seven men included Stephen and Philip. And it says they were men full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. So even though they served the tables for the Greek-speaking widows, but still even the deacons were led by the Holy Spirit. Now there's two other groups, leaders I'm sure unofficially, there were the heads of households where people were staying. So if if they all went over to Lawrence's house for a meeting, Lawrence, head of the household, he was the leader of the meeting. And we also know that there were many other eyewitnesses, 500 eyewitnesses, Paul says, and many of them were there and also had part in this leading and, and growth of the church. But again, I want to stress the point. The Holy Spirit was the one executing and leading in the church. And that's why I, I began first by reading in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus relates to the promise that John the Baptist gave to the disciples. Because the crisis of the churches will the church remain in the Holy Spirit as it grows. Now you see, that's not so easy to tell. Sometimes we get to Impressed with outward things. But actually, the Holy Spirit is grieved. The Holy Spirit is not leading. And so, this is a crisis. We see that Jesus said, John came baptizing you with water. But John said, in not many days, Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. This is a tremendous word. Now this phrase, baptism in the Spirit, is interpreted differently by different groups of people. But at its deepest level, it's a comprehensive now, I assume that most of you here have been baptized in water. Maybe many of you downstairs, down in the baptismal down there, and you were put under the water and brought up. 
Then I hope they held you down for a long time under the water. So you can really be immersed in the water. Now what John was saying was that when Jesus came, he would immerse us in the Holy Spirit. Now has he kept you down in the Holy Spirit a long time? Are you wet with the Holy Spirit? Not just on the outside, how about the inside? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Outward, inward. Immersed in the Holy Spirit. And the church experienced in the book of Acts what this was talking about. Now, four aspects of this immersion. And I ask you, how deep have you been immersed in the Holy Spirit? Have you got your big toe in there, or are you all underneath the Holy Spirit? Well, four things we discovered. The first amazing thing is that the Holy Spirit came inside these believers to dwell. Now that had never happened before. The Holy Spirit came upon Old Testament prophets. But Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, He's going to come into you and dwell in you. Now there's no other religion that claims that. The Spirit of God dwelling inside. Leading, helping. It's amazing to hear that. But then there's the second thing. The Holy Spirit took you and immersed you into the body of Christ. Did you know the Holy Spirit immersed you into a living body? And when that happened, we became members of one another. That's why Andre and I work perfectly together. I speak, he interprets, and he gets it wrong sometimes. We're members of each other. When he suffers, I suffer. And when I suffer, he suffers. But we're one. This is a miracle. There's no other group like this in the world. You, you have families that are bonded together by blood. But the church is bonded together by the Spirit. Look around you. What a funny family. We're all members of one another. That's what the Holy Spirit did. We were immersed into the body of Christ. Then number three. We were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, we needed power to perform miracles and to preach the gospel so that people could get saved. You remember how Jesus speaks to the disciples in Luke. He says, wait in Jerusalem until you be clothed 
with power from on high。你在耶路撒冷等候，一直到你们穿上从上来，是给你们的能力。So you need to not only have the Holy Spirit in your tummy。你不只要圣灵在你的肚子里面。Well, I don't think He dwells in your tummy。我想他应该是不只是住在你肚子里面。But we need the Holy Spirit's anointing and power with Holy Spirit clothes。he says, "You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses by this power." Oh, the church needs to be uh, 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 clothed with the power of the Spirit. But then forth. What's the fourth thing the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit comes down and by the fire of God brings holiness into our life. I don't know if you know this. Now the word spirit is used a number of times in the Old Testament. I forget how many times, but I think maybe more than 90 times. But I know how many times exactly the Old Testament talks about the Holy Spirit. Do you know? How many times does Old Testament mention Holy Spirit? Right, three times. Only three. Two in Isaiah. And one David, take not your Holy Spirit from me. This was David's prayer. In the book of Acts, how many times do you think Holy Spirit is mentioned? Right, 40 times. 40 times. Because this is the revelation. This Spirit that comes inside. And this spirit that comes upon is a holy spirit. It's just not a power spirit. See, when I was a good charismaniac, I knew about the power of the spirit, but I didn't realize he was a holy spirit. The Spirit is holy. You see, this is very important. So, now we're going to talk about this. Here's our crisis. Are we baptized in the Holy Spirit? Are we immersed deeper and deeper? I read the biography of a great man of God. I won't mention his name. But he used to go to, whenever there was a revival in his city, he would go to the revival. And every time the preacher would give an invitation, he would come down to the front. Now everybody knew this guy. He was a great man of God. So the preacher would say, Brother, why are you coming up here? You need to pray for me, not me for you. He said, No, no, brother. I need much more of the Holy Spirit. I only know a little bit of the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he comes down every night. 
ask for more prayer, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 那他每天就一同就坐在那边，就是希望弟兄能们能够为他更多的祷告。Now, if the Holy Spirit is that important, it should be our heart's desire to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. 那如果圣灵是这么重要的话，对我们来说是非常重要。我们要能够浸于这个圣灵里。And when the church is immersed in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides the church. Now, how does the Holy Spirit guide? There's two wonderful meanings to the word spirit. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the, the original word has two meanings. You know what they are? Well, the Greek word, we'll just do Greek, is pneuma. You know what pneuma means? Just secular, not religious. Well, it means two things. Yeah, don't get to that one yet. The first one is breath. What happens, what happens when you have pneumonia? Pneumonia because the wind, the Holy Spirit is like a wind that blows in our sail and sends us. So when the disciples, when Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He's going to blow your boat first in Jerusalem and then to Judea and then the boat's going to be blown to Samaria and the boat's going to blow you all the way to India all the way to Spain to the uttermost parts of the earth who is in charge of where the, where the saints went who, who is in charge of how the church grows the Holy Spirit Blow, and they went. So we see the apostles went from place to place. When you study the book of Acts, you also see something. The Lord used persecution in Jerusalem to blow saints out all over the Roman world. And the Holy Spirit blew with a mighty force. And the Spirit-filled church was full of the power of Pentecost. A mighty rushing wind. Now here's the problem. If you're if you like a windy church, there's a lot of power. Everybody wants more power. Now the wind blows. But you have to be listening to the breath. Go there. How can you imagine? Do you remember in Acts chapter 8, Philip the Evangelist? 
你知道第八章就是腓力他这个呃呃这个福音家。He went to the city of Samaria. 他到撒玛利亚去。And many people got saved. 那许多人得救。And there was a revival going. 那这边有个复兴发生。And even、uh, Peter and John came up to Samaria to say, "Can Samaritans get saved?" 那彼得和撒玛利亚，彼得和约翰来，他们说，撒玛利亚有人得救。Many Samaritans saved. 那许多撒玛利亚人得救。And right in the middle of the revival, 那在这复兴当中 ，Philip, Philip, I want you to leave Samaria and go out into the desert. I got one guy I want you to meet. 我要你离开撒玛利亚，到这个到这个沙漠去。有一个人，我要到旷野去。我要一个人，我要你见一个人。Now, if you're just a windy Christian, you might not hear the still small voice. 那你如果只是一个刚一个基督任何的基督徒的话，你没有办法听到这微小的声音。But Philip stopped his revival, went out into the desert. And met the Ethiopian eunuch. 那腓力他就呃就是停止他的这个复兴的工作，他就到旷野那边就遇到这个呃这个呃伊索比亚的这个。And the church in Africa was born. 那在这个呃在非洲的这个教会就诞生了。You remember Peter and John going to the temple one day? 那你知道彼得和约翰有一天上上到殿里面。They were going to pray. 他们要一同祷告。And probably then to preach. But as they were going, the Holy Spirit breathed. When they went, the Holy Spirit blew. And they saw a lame man. They saw a lame man. And they said, "In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up." And from Jesus' name, they called him to rise up. They were listening for the Holy Spirit. They were listening for the Holy Spirit. And this man was healed. And two thousand more people got saved. Just from this one event. If we listen to the Holy Spirit, I wonder how much more the Holy Spirit could do in our lives. If we listen to the Holy Spirit, I wonder how much more the Holy Spirit could do in our lives. But then some people came. But then some people came. A crisis. The Hebrew, the, the Greek-speaking widows were not being、uh, helped and given food. That this Hebrew, these, ah, this, this, poor people, they didn't, didn't have any help to get food. Now this was the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to them, saying there's something wrong. So you, you shouldn't ignore this. You shouldn't ignore this. And so they prayed, and they appointed seven men to help. Feed the Greek-speaking widows. 那他们就一同聚会，他们就决定啊，这个也也只派七个人去帮助这些寡妇。And they, you see, all through the book of Acts, 我看到整本《使徒行传》moments when the Holy Spirit spoke in the heart. 有许多时刻就是啊，这个圣灵会说话，特别是对心说话。So you see, if we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, 那如果我们要由圣灵带领的话 ，then we have to not only Follow the power of the Holy Spirit, but also the still small voice. We 不仅要跟随圣灵能力能力，我们要听他的这里面微小的这个声音。Now, but today I just want to talk about one specific thing. 那在今日我想要提到一个很特别的一件事情。It's the holiness of the Holy Spirit. 那这是这是圣灵的圣洁。Now we actually have many churches that know something of the power of the Spirit. 那我们也知道许多的教会知道这个圣灵的能力。And maybe others that know the indwelling Spirit leading them. 那另外的也知道就是内住的这个圣灵在带领他们。But we have a crisis today. 但是我们今日有一个危机
It's a crisis of holiness. We are being led by a spirit who is holy. Now Paul says that the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God through us. And in the book of Acts, you see the love and the grace of God pouring through the church, even reaching those outside. But the book of Acts also tells us that people were afraid to join the church. Do you know that? With all of that love and all of that grace, still there was something about the church that outsiders feared. In Acts chapter 5, verse 13, now Acts chapter 5 is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You remember that story? Verse 13 says, But none of the rest of the people dared to associate with the church. However, the people held them in high esteem. Now something had happened. Barnabas had the love of God in his heart. And he had, a, had some land in Cyprus. And he sold the land. And he took the money and gave it to the apostles to help feed everybody. And everybody give praise to God and thanks for Barnabas doing this. Ananias and Sapphira saw that. And so they sold some land. And they, they took 10% and they gave it to the church. Which, by the way, is no problem. You can give whatever you want. But they said, we gave everything from this sale. The sin is not that they didn't give everything. The sin is that they lied and said they gave everything. And, and Peter said to them, Why have you lied to a holy spirit? Do you think the spirit doesn't know when we're lying? And Ananias died. Then Sapphira came in, his wife, and she also lied, and she died. Now, the, the, the moral of the story was, when people saw that, they said, oh, well, you better stay away from those Christians. Because there is holiness that God wants in His church. Oh, this is what the Lord desires. A church walking in the light 
as he is in the light. Having fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleansing us from all sin. There's another adventure in Acts chapter 8. When Peter and John were there in the city of Samaria. And there was a magician there named Simon. And he had gotten saved. And he had gotten baptized. But when he saw Peter and John laying hands on people, and people receiving gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now Simon said, Ah, I want to have that power. And they, so Simon, now he's a believer. And he says, I'll give you a bunch of money. If you put your hand on my head and make me so I can put my hand on people's head and it causes miracles. Now, just like many baby Christians, you know, they think any kind of a good business transaction is okay. But look what Peter says to him in chapter 8 and verse 22. He said to Simon, Repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that if possible the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you're in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. And at least according to Simon's words, he did repent. So this is one of the first things that we see in a church led by a Holy Spirit. Repentance. When the Lord exposes sin, there must be repentance. You understand that the enemy always tries to bring sin into the church. Because sin hinders the power of the Holy Spirit. It quenches the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it can grieve the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit wants us to be holy. Now this is a crisis in the church. Some churches have a lot of love. We need plenty of love. Lots of mercy. Lots of grace. But what about holiness? The Holy Spirit cannot lead a church that won't be holy. As we know many times leaders in churches begin in a holy way. But they become, become corrupted by pride or success or money or, or some temptation. Now it's important to know unless there's holiness among us 
但是很重要的是，如果我们中间是有圣洁的话，When that holiness gets grieved，当这个里面这个圣洁它它忧愁的时候，the church stops being led by the Holy Spirit becomes led by people。当你这个不是被圣灵带领的时候，开始被被人带领的时候，so as you know, recently occasionally somebody from Eastern Lightning comes into our midst。那我们知道最近有这个东方闪电的人就是来到我们当中。Now when they come in here. They lie. They don't say who they are. And they don't say what they're trying to do. That's not true. But they come in and lie. They say, oh, we just love the brothers. We want to have Bible study with you. Actually, they're trying to draw you in to their false doctrine. Now, only by the mercy of God. Were these ones who came in discovered? The mercy of the Holy Spirit exposed them. But you see, if we're not walking in holiness, any kind of person can come in here with false teaching. We won't, we won't even know. So the crisis is to keep the Holy Spirit's high standard of holiness. For his bride. You must remember the end. The Lord wants a holy bride. And so he has standards of holiness. So listen. If you serve the Lord. But your marriage is in trouble. Now repent. You can't serve the Lord with a messed up marriage. Now that's unholy. You understand that? Am I saying something that is not in the Bible? A husband and wife must be joined in the grace of God and holiness. Now, if somebody's busy thinking they're serving the Lord and their marriage is messed up, they're wrong. They're wrong. You see, there's a demand for holiness by the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have people who come in among us as brothers and sisters. Who are living in sin. They're not married, but they're sleeping with somebody, or whatever the situation is. But the Holy Spirit is grieved by that. You see, there's false doctrine going around today. That you can live that way, and God doesn't mind. I don't know what God they're talking about, but that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit expects you to live a holy, chaste life. And you need to repent. There are people in God's House, addicted. Addicted to whatever. Drugs. Alcohol. 
Internet. Pornography. You know, our young people are really getting addicted to pornography. But many older people are watching TV shows you shouldn't be watching. And you're going to places on the internet that you shouldn't be going to. You know, there's a word that people never even use anymore. It's a Christian should live a wholesome life. Do you have that word in Chinese? Wholesome? A good life. A holy life. A peaceful life. But I tell you what, even watching television, even watching the news can grieve the Holy Spirit. There's some people who are dealing with depression and things today. It's because the world is heaped upon us from mass media more than we can possibly handle with our little tiny minds. And some of our teenagers undisciplined, unruly, immoral, involved in all kinds of things. You see, so what we can be fooled if outwardly we keep growing, but inwardly we're not growing in holiness. Now you know many preachers have gone off on this thing. They felt like their ministry was more important than their personal holiness and their marriage. You see, the outward life of the church is just an outward shell if there's not a holy heart inside. The Bible said, as we heard this morning, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now that's a holy calling. And it involves repenting of things that are in the way. In order to be what the Lord wants us to be. Now in the book of in the book of Revelation, we see seven churches. But there's only one church that knows God, the Holy One. Now you know as Jesus speaks to each of the churches he calls himself according to the name that these saints know. And to the church of Philadelphia this is what Jesus said. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia this is in Revelation chapter 3 verse 7 to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. 
Now this is precious. Because the church in Philadelphia knows the holy Jesus. And Jesus came to them and said, I who am holy say this. I know your deeds. How God wants his church to know his holiness. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says we're chosen before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. This is what I wanted to say. How the Lord desires a holy Filled with the spirit of holiness. The Bible says children are so beautiful to the Lord and He wants them to become holy children. And holy wives are to be the beauty of the family. The whole family is imprinted with the beauty of the holiness of the wife. And how we need holy husbands to lead households and even to lead the household of God. Brothers and sisters, I know this is a high calling. And especially to we who are sinners. We're prone to wander. The world invites us into too many things. But the spirit of holiness is over us. Desiring us to be his holy bride. The spirit of holiness is very powerful spirit. He can sanctify us. He can deliver us from sin. And teach us how to walk in holiness. The crisis of the church is that the church can grow outwardly, but not be holy. Not be holy. The Holy Spirit wants us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. May the Lord help us to be faithful to Him. Let's just have a few prayers before we go.
Sister, pray, dear Heavenly Father, in the Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you have loved us and you have called us by the Holy Spirit. You have called us, Lord, that that we might be that we might that we that we might become your faithful servants. Lord, thank you for the truth that you have spoken to us. That we continue to look to you. Help us to know the foundation in which we stand is the foundation of holiness. That your life can be lived out in us. That we will learn to even love you with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. Lord, that we will live for you in the light of your holiness. We pray this in Jesus. Amen.
truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not seen it, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So Lord, we just come to you, Lord, to confess our need and, and that you may really come by your Holy Spirit and clean us, Lord, and by your blood wash us from all our sins, Lord, and bring us to repentance and bring us to, to a step forward toward you, Lord, in the light as you are in the light, Lord, you are light. We praise you for this time. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.